Well, hello, everybody. Let me, let me greet everybody online and, and, and watch it, uh, on TV. Um, I know some of you who watch on TV, I can't see you, but, uh, but you've told me you've watched on TV, so I'm glad. In fact, I've even heard rumors that uh, we've made it maybe into some places that are where you're incarcerated, and so it's pretty cool that uh, you're getting to tune in. Um, I've got some folks with me. Uh, we're going to talk about some, something that I think Jesus wants to undo, but, but I have to interrupt myself right off the bat. <laughs> And share something with you that you may not be ready for. Christmas. Uh, okay, okay, we're ready. Uh, I've, I've been confessing to people recently that uh, we, we have Christmas decorations up earlier than we've ever had them up. And I appreciate my family. Uh, here's why I'm bringing this up, because uh, especially for those of you who are online and on TV, maybe you've never even been to one of our uh, physical uh, on-site locations. Uh, when you come to one of those for Christmas services, you need to get a ticket. They're free for those of you who just started hating. They're free, but I want you to get a ticket so you go to christmas.fs.church. This is your early like warning flag here. Do it and do it fast so that you can make sure that you get enough seats. But you go there and, and you'll just fill out all the information and it's free. I promise you it's free. But they thinking about Christmas. I know some of us are like, you know what? I'm not yet comfortable uh, going to a Christmas service. That's totally fine. But for those of you who want to, we want to give you tickets, but you got to get your tickets and that's how that works. That's your Christmas talk for the day. You're welcome. Okay. Now I want to talk to you about what I, what I want to unfold in the Bible for us that I think is pivotal. Now, the problem with the sermon though is that uh, some of us might think this is for someone else. So let me just warn everyone, this is for <clears throat> every one of us, including myself. Let me take you right into the story. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, let it sink in. That's about the most eloquent way you could ever say for those people who were like arrogant, totally certain they were always certain kind of people, I'm trying not to stare at anybody, but just to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, I'm going to tell you the parable. Don't worry, we'll get there. But sometimes we need to know why the parable was told so that we know the lesson we're supposed to learn. And I think that uh, Jesus would like to undo this issue in our life. I know this doesn't apply to anyone, but let's pretend that maybe on social media or in our lives that there are people in our lives that are always 100% right. Do you, you may, I know you don't have any of them. <clears throat> I do. In fact, let's take a poll. Raise your hand if you've ever been 100% right. For those of you online, you should be concerned. Uh, most of us, in theory, have been 100% right on something. Uh, maybe coming to church and listening to a sermon, 100% right, good choice. Okay, that's help. Who has been 100% right yet proven later you were 100% wrong? Okay, more hands, more honest people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. With some good people. This parable is not for someone else. It's for you, it's for me. Most of us get overconfident at times on something. And what happens is we begin to think something about ourselves that is dangerous. And I think Jesus would like to undo it. So I give you this warning, just as it's stated before the parable, that's what this parable's for. Now I'm going to tell you what the parable is. We'll read it. This is fun. Two men 
went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. We're not really hiding anything so far. It's like, okay, some of you are already picking your favorites and your least favorites. Uh, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people and list robbers, evildoers, adulterers, just in case you want to know, or even like this tax collector, not only about these random people, but he gets super specific in the moment. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Some of you have already canceled him. You've already unfollowed him. He's no longer a friend for you on Facebook. You're done. I mean, someone says that. If you have someone like that, you're like, yeah. And here's what's the kicker. If you don't know this about tradition, uh, he was likely praying this out loud. Like, this wasn't like quiet. No, he's praying it out loud. Jesus, this is why Jesus is telling the story this way, because he would know that they would know this. He's praying it out loud, demeaning another human being. In his prayer, it just seems like talking to God, demeaning another person. I'm just telling you, this parable is for all of us. But the tax collector, if you don't know much about tax collectors, most of us don't enjoy taxes. But back then, a tax collector was often known as a, as a traitor, it was known as a thief. They were not well known. They were not liked. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus is telling this story, not just for the group of people that are hearing it, but for you and I. Now, my guess is, like I've said, you've picked your favorites. There are two people in the story, if you missed it. And one of us, have, we've said, well, the other one, uh, complete jerk, horrible individual, can't believe anyone would ever do that. I want to go give the tax collector a hug as soon as the pandemic is over. Like, you've got this kind of the person. You're like, you know, wow, like, what a heart, right? What a heart. That's, and Jesus is doing this on purpose, by the way. The emotions you feel right now towards the Pharisee and towards the tax collector, totally on purpose. Jesus is not setting us up. He's leading us. And before you get too judgy, I thought I'd bring something up. The Pharisee's struggle is your struggle too. The Pharisee's struggle is your struggle too. If you need me to make this personal for me, it's our struggle too. We all feel so right at times and so good about ourselves at times that we begin to mistreat others because of what we feel like we know is good and right. It's happened for a long time. And I think Jesus would like to undo this, specifically pride. Not the good pride, not being like confident because you did something good, like good job. The pride where you belittle another person and elevate yourself at this very same time. The arrogance, right, that begins to happen. The ego, right? Uh, let me tell you about a guy named Jason Matthews. What a great picture, by the way. I don't know him. But uh, he was in the CIA for uh, over... Three decades. Uh, I'd like to tell you what he did in the CIA. He's written books since then. Um, his job was to help people in other countries betray their country to give us as the United States of America information about their country. That was his job, full-time gig. 
And so when you think about this, not that you should ever do this, I'm not suggesting this or encouraging that you start trying this at work or anything. No, I'm just saying, okay, what would a person do? How would a person go about trying to go, like trick a person from another country to give us their information? Like, how does that work? Well, he tells you, in his book, he says it's actually very simple, unfortunately. What they would do, and he and others would do this, and they still probably do this, they would get to know a person And the reason they would get to know that person in that other country was to find out what they were insecure about so they could build that insecurity up and create some ego and pride in them. And once they were able to build up some ego in that person, they had that person and that person didn't even realize that they were beginning to share secrets about that other country to them. They would literally find a person who would say, who would like be bad at their job and they would say, you know what, you are really good at your job. And they would pump that up and pump that up, and pump that up. Some of you are like, I don't like this guy. I'm telling you, uh, don't miss out that one of the most vulnerable places you and I have in our lives is ego and pride. Uh, John Stott said this, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Right? We know, we're like, I know this, I know this, I know this. In fact, let's go a little bit deeper. I don't know if you have studied the Bible from beginning to end, and if you've ever maybe even asked the question, you're like, the Bible refers to this guy um, named uh, Lucifer or Satan or, or the devil, or maybe you just have a mental picture of a pitchfork kind of a guy. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this. Pride is the oldest sin we know about and has everything to do with who you and I call the devil, Lucifer, Satan, if, if, you don't, if you wonder, like, how do, how do people, like, they say they know what happened up in, like, up in heaven and all that stuff that happened where the, the devil was up there and now he's not up there. How do we know about that? Well, uh, because the Bible tells us that the issue that Lucifer, by his, his name, uh, known as the worship leader in heaven at the time, known as the, the guy who would help uh, basically display the splendor of God, like this, his job was to make sure that everyone there would worship God. Well, well, after a while, he's like, I love what they're doing for God. I would like some of that. Ezekiel tells us a little about this. This is about who you and I know as Satan, Lucifer. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. The Bible gives us evidence that Satan, I don't know what your picture of, is actually beautiful. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. I Connect some dots here. You and I would, I think mostly, we would admit that there is evil in this world. And there is someone stirring it up. And if you're willing to actually look at what the Bible teaches, is that there is, there is really the devil. If you're like, what is the devil's objective? I think one of his objectives would be to get you to get taken out by the same way he got taken out. I mean, doesn't it just seem natural and logical that if his pride got in his way and caused consequences to him, what would a vengeful, revenge kind of oriented person do? Well, I'm going to make you do the same thing. And so if you've ever been tempted to want others to be lowered than, than you, If you've ever had those emotions, maybe you've said those things, maybe you've thought those things, where you've criticized other people so much so that pride has set in, it's the oldest sin in the book, and one of the most powerful. Uh, So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we got to admit something. Here's something. Um, We we aren't born humble. 
For some of us, you're like, you know what? It just seems comes pretty natural to me being humble. Well, we all know going, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you, we aren't born humble. If, if you've never experienced this, go hang out with a child. It's fantastic. Um, parenting is, is a blast. But what all of our children have proven is that we are born with this. Yes, I want life to be entirely about me. Please do not object to such a thing. We're in the stage with Bo that's just fun and exhausting all at the same time, right? Where he cannot understand why we don't want him to take the Christmas tree and to throw it down. It literally, it, it does not compute in his head why he can't do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Pride. <laughs> you see it early on and it just plays out and plays out and plays out. I think you and I fight this consistently if anyone's ever been promoted, but you think you should have them. If anyone has ever gotten anything, that you felt like you deserved, but you didn't get it. And, you're like, and usually our, our gut reaction is to say, but they don't deserve it, and here's why, right? And we begin to belittle that person, and we think it's rational, it's factual. But we are beginning to then separate, right? Look what the Bible teaches. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. There's a lot of places we can go with this. But I think we've all seen evidence in our lives, I can just say, of those who exalted themselves that were then humbled. And those who humbled themselves will be exalted. It seems like opposite day. You're like, wait a minute, so I'm not supposed to want it, but I do want it, and how do I do it? And, and, we, be, and we begin to fight pride, and pride begins to, well, if you don't know what pride does, I thought I'd give you a picture. You want a picture of pride? Here we go. It's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> Creepy, yet cute. I'm not sure about the eyeballs. There's something wrong about the eyeballs that just has me. I, this is a, a puffer fish, or some would call it a blowfish, whatever. Let me teach you, because I learned on nationalgeographic.com a lot. <laughs> what, what they do is when they begin to feel intimidated or like there's something uneasy going on, they fill themselves with water and air and puff out. At first we're like, how cute. <laughs> They're trying to make themselves look bigger and better and better than whatever the other fish, whatever attacks them, I don't know. But here's what I did. I knew this about puffer fish, blowfish. I knew this about them, like, oh, that's neat. What I didn't know is they are toxic. They are actually extremely toxic. I, I don't want to miss this because this is good information I learned from nationalgeographic.com. This is good. The toxin is 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. So that, when I say they're toxic, you're not going, well, I mean, upset stomach. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> there is enough poison in one puffer fish to kill 30 adult humans. And there is no known antidote. Like pufferfish, 
I think we can fill ourselves up when we get intimidated, when we get let down, when we begin to look outside and see a threat of some sort, we begin to kind of like elevate ourselves, exaggerate things about ourselves. We begin to do certain things in our lives like, hey, hey, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm strong, I'm okay. But what happens is, is when you do that in marriage, eventually the, the reality that you're toxic comes out. When one person in a marriage says, I always have to be right, and the other one feels exactly the same way. When pride keeps you from ever apologizing, it's toxic. If you ever have a friendship like that, where that friend always has to have, forgive me for the pun, the bigger fish story, <laughs> right? And, and you're like, this is annoying. You ha- we all have this friend or family member, but you see evidence of pride and humility. Here's my, here's my push into your life, is that when you feel threatened or belittled or not enough, you have the same temptation to elevate, exaggerate, lie. Pride is toxic in every situation. This is why you and I have to say, I think Jesus wants to undo this. How do I make sure that I have this in my life? Because it's weird for me as a pastor to tell you, hey, we need to be humble, so go be humble. So you say, okay, I'm gonna go work on being humble. Hey, I'm gonna text David now. Hey, I think I'm humble now. It, it just is, you see how it tracks out kind of just weird the topic about humility. So what do I do? I think let's go back to the parable that Jesus was teaching. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That, we do know that that is the right answer, right? Okay, just make sure, right? God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Which one do you want? I think you want that one, which that's humility, that's pride. I want that. How do I become like the tax collector guy? What do I need to practice every single day, all the time? What, what do I learn from this story? How do I get that to be something that, that I just want or I actually pridefully claim? How do I get that? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I brought uh, show and tell here. <clears throat> humility requires a cosmetic mirror. Now, for some of you, this mirror is like on the low end of cosmetic mirrors. I, I looked up some. Um, by the way, if you're not familiar with this, which I was not pre-marriage. Uh, it's like, that's a neat mirror, but then you turn it around and you're like, holy cow. <laughs> right? You're like, those are gray or oh, those are white. Man alive. Most of us, know, you know that this mirror, there's one side you're like, yeah, it's normal, whatever. This side you're like, nope, no, thank you very much. No, no, I'm done, no, right? I, I think this is a decent example at what you and I need in our lives. Now, you might be looking, well, what's the practical? I mean, seriously, how, how do I go about doing that? How do, do I, how do I walk around with a mirror? Very simple. Um, here's what I'm gonna tell you. The Bible is a mirror for you. The more you read it, the more you study it, the more you will see what is breaking down in your life. It's difficult to read the Bible and be committed to it and actually stay arrogant. Uh, prayer is a, is a mirror. 
prayer, the more time you spend time talking to God and just listening to God, you're going to be, begin to discover stuff. You're like, I didn't like what God told me. I actually, like, it was like, did not care for that conversation. You want to know the, the, a mere one that many of us actually are not involved in that we should? It's called a small group. A small group is a cosmetic mirror. A good one is. Where you're with a crew. You call me crew. I call my crew, right? This is group in the 90s. It was a crew. So you, you, you have these people that, that you know and know you, and you need that. The most arrogant people that I know, the, mo- the ones most full of pride, are the most isolated people that I know. And do not disconnect the two. You begin to see, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe I don't have people speaking into my life. You need a cosmetic mirror. You need someone, people, the Bible, God himself to say, you have to look at this. This is what you need. There's another one. Humility requires, and this is my favorite, towels and wipes. Some of you have yet to experience this. This is a wipe. We have a lot of this in our house right now. The reason is, is uh, we have a child in our house. I won't say his name, but uh, he wears a diaper and he regularly, I'm sorry if you don't like this, poops and pees like it's what he's required to do in all of life, all day, all night. It's, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> Can I admit that to you? Is that a, it's annoying to be playing with your kid and realizing, what, what is that? I smell something. It is your bottom. <laughs> and right now in, in our relationship, uh, in our home, uh, I look at Katie. Katie looks at Ellie. Ellie looks at Hayden. <laughs> Who's going to do it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking if you'd be willing to go this direction with me, but let's just go there because whatever. Uh, it's just the way, way it works. Uh, if you have never wiped the backside of another human being, Um, one, seek permission if that's, I'm not, I just thought about how far this could go. But I got to tell you, as, as great as parenting has been, it is also very humbling to have these moments where you're doing something for someone that there's these seconds that you begin to have this outer body experience going, what in the world am I doing right now? If you're a nurse or in the medical world, I think this is your regular life. You're like, yeah, yeah, I get this. I think, um, I think this teaches us something. If you and I were to at least emotionally and spiritually approach all relationships with some sort of a wipe and a towel ready to go when we need it to be. It's almost crass, but almost loving. You know what it is 100%? It's Jesus. Let me... Let me show you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, if you ever felt like the Bible doesn't make sense, let's correct this. <laughs> In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Have you ever used you being right to your own advantage? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Is that not the greatest example of humility that you can ever be modeled? May this be a moment that God speaks into you in saying, are you doing this online? Are you doing this in your relationships? Is this how you are approaching the people around you? Literally humbling yourself to servant-like mentality to the people you're with. The parable ends uh, like this. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. I don't even need to tell you who we're talking about. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Interesting as a pastor to talk about humility. Because it feels so elementary, yet at the same time so difficult. Let me take you to another place, Second Chronicles. If you wonder what our community needs, what our nation needs, if you wonder what your relationships need, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, stop. If you're in the Christian world a lot and around a lot of Christian people, we keep reading so fast that we think this is simply a part of the Bible that only talks about prayer. I would guard you and say it's not just about prayer. Listen, who will humble themselves, stop, humble myself. In order to get to the other parts, what if humility is required? Well, humble themselves. Yes, then humble yourself. Then pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What happens if we get humble? I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Let's end here. Let, me, let, me, let me tell you what this means. We, when we are full of ourselves, there's no room for God. If you want to know the, the weight to this kind of a conversation is that if you and I don't battle pride daily, if you and I don't have these all the time, not literally, but if, if you and I aren't constantly carrying these around emotionally, spiritually, if we're not engaged constantly in being servants of others, if we aren't regularly going, okay, what, what's really going on in my life? What's really happening? If you aren't, the problem is, is our land probably won't ever get healed. Your marriage probably won't ever get healed. Your kids won't get healed. There's no healing without humility. That's how big of a deal this is. So let, let this be a challenge. That how you treat people, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you engage people, it matters. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I'm somewhat afraid to say to you, but I'm going to anyways. God, would you help 
each and every one of us be humble. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that is prideful, would you make us aware of it? Show it to us. Reveal it in our hearts. And Lord, help us to be a group of people that no matter if we differ on anything, we still value each other and we love you passionately. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.